0: I'm Mark Gray, the MLB OG from MLBBro.com, and you're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are
1: the
2: Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind.
1: It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half your host, Justin Williams. And you know, I can never do the show alone, mainly because Kobe and Need don't trust me to run things by myself, probably due to my immaturity and the fact they're probably 15 years older than me and wiser than I'll ever be. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm hatched up today with the man, the myth, the legend, the one that makes me sound good on the mic, and who knows everything about NFTs. And if you haven't yet, go over to prosportspodcasters.com, subscribe for our newsletter, and he'll help you out. Ladies and gentlemen, Please welcome the man, Colbert Ron. Kobe, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. How are you doing today? You know what? Yesterday I had a bit of the flu, but today I am living the dream. That uh, that kind of thing you told me to do where rest and get my pH levels balanced really helped. So I I appreciate your wise words, sir. You're welcome. You're welcome, buddy. And maybe this gentleman knows a lot about healing things from the flu as well. This man is affiliated with MLBbro.com. You can hear him on XM, among other things. Ladies and gentlemen, pro sports podcasters, fans, please welcome to the show for the very first time, Mark Gray. Mark, how you doing?
0: Hey, man. I am so honored, pleased, and privileged that you would allow me to grace your podcast because I have absolutely no clue on how to balance my pH balance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, i got nothing for you there i make a mean jerk burger but i do not have any <laughs> i don't know anything about ph balance. but thank you for uh, having me and i'm honored to be joining you guys
1: okay kobe i need you to take that sound clip right in the beginning and just have that for every episode where it's like we are honored to be a part of this show like yes thank you sir with such high praise it means done lots and done me. done and done thank you so mr mark i'm going to ask you how did you start? And how did you get to where you are? Well, tell us the whole beginning.
0: I learned a long time ago when I was in college that you had to be versatile. And I just find it ironically that back in the day, and I'm 57, so I'm a, the quintessential OG. Uh, I, I got into the business when fax machines were a top secret weapon. Um, <laughs> you know, we were still typing on typewriters, past the Thought. And uh, there was no such thing believe it or not, as social media. So uh, I took the um, journalist route to podcasting, and I always knew by watching uh, legendary figures who were on my local TV that um, I always had a fascination with the sports writer that could put together a commentary and then go on the evening news And rip for 60 or 90 seconds about problems in the community, thoughts on sports and the like. And I thought it would be really cool one day to be able to do all of that because there's certain things about writing and reporting, doing radio reporting and then doing television that all harness your skill set into one, uh, I guess, uh, you know, a hodgepodge of talent, so to speak. So basically, what I did was, you know, I read a lot. I tried to copy some of the great writers that I read. Um, I listened to a lot. I, I was a, I had a great big appetite for uh, sports broadcasting, and I watched a lot of TV. So I got familiar with sports broadcasters, and then um, here hey, we looking forty years later, man. I'm doing podcasts, I'm writing, I'm creating digital video and audio content. And, uh, you know, I've had some pretty good professional stops along the way. And uh, that brings me where I am today.
1: Brilliant. And where are you today exactly, sir?
0: I'm the assistant managing editor for uh, video content for a website called MLBBro.com, where we chronicle the exploits of the. Uh, 57 or 59 uh, Black American baseball players that are in Major League Baseball today. I formerly was the first weekend host on um, XM Channel 169 MLB Home Plate. And in the beginning, and I also had a show on The Power, uh, which was XM Channel 169 when that was being run by the... uh, Radio One, now Urban One, uh, Corporation. And that's kind of how, where it started after I left Atlanta. Um, My 10 years in Atlanta were great. I was a sports editor for a small newspaper called Atlanta Daily World. But what happened was that opened up the doors for me to be like a contributor to the Falcons Insider, which was the Atlanta Falcons team magazine, Um, Hawk Talk, which was the Atlanta Hawks team magazine, and the Chop Talk, which was the Braves magazine. So in my time in Atlanta, I had opportunity coming right out of college to cover Deion Sanders, to cover Maddox Glavin and Smokes, and Dominique Wilkins, yeah. Uh, in his last five seasons in Atlanta. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, there was the Olympics. So in that 10-year span, I had as great and as diverse an opportunity to not only learn how to cover small inner city beats, like, you know, high school stuff. I mean, I was the only person that was assigned to cover Jamal Lewis, formerly at the Baltimore Ravens, his high school signing day. Everybody in the state of Georgia thought that out of that graduating class, and I forgot what year that it was specifically, that a kid named Patrick Pass, who went on and made the NFL, but he was nowhere near a one season, 2,000 yard rusher that Jamal Lewis was. But I was the only guy that was down there to cover. Uh, Jamal signing with the University of Tennessee, and the rest, as they say, is history. So um, that opportunity, combined with the skills that I was learning and perfecting as far as radio reporting and content producing were concerned, as far as uh, making contacts and holding down a beat, and then learning how to do feature-oriented stories really just set me up. And what satellite radio was, and what really intrigued me it was it was almost like a bunch of commercial radio refugees who had landed on this island of satellite radio, and they had decided we're gonna launch a platform where anything goes and I kept remembering that a f d the, the 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 folks from x m at the time. Who, who was the dominant carrier before Sirius remade itself? And, mm-hmm. and you'll remember, if, if I don't know how old you guys are, but on nine eleven, there was supposed to be uh, the launch. of, I believe uh, XM and Sirius. Sirius didn't make the launch. XM came up maybe a couple, maybe a year or so after that because I think there was an issue. I think the bottom. If I'm not mistaken, uh, the, the stock market came up, so so we were given this platform, and it was just like you know, push the envelope, take it to the edge, and AFDI, and AFDI was the mantra of a guy named Lee Abrams, and and I, I remember that to this day. Hey, all right, freaking, and I'm sanitizing it for the audience. Do it. So if you had an idea. You would go to somebody above you and they'd say, AFDI. Hey, just don't tell me. And, and, and if if you're too far gone, then I'll pull you back in. That played right to my strength. Uh, I was edgy. I was the guy that would, you know, use, look at sports through a social lens. I bring satire into it by doing radio bits. You know, um, you guys may not be old enough to remember Tim Donahue the uh, official who was placing bets. So I would come up with like the uh, Tim Donahue officiating school, which was a 30-second commercial <laughs> that, that, you know, I pushed the envelope on, uh, you know, uh, Marion Jones – Gives you five steps on how to train, you know, the track athlete. (laughs) So, so it was, it was, it was just an unbelievable time before things got corporate. People wanted to go more politically correct. You had uh, various, uh, it it was just so many different forms of radio. And if you were a radio junkie, when you got a chance to go down to the mothership in downtown DC, like I did, when uh, the hub for Satellite Radio was in the nation's capital and just see the talented people that were down there and the celebrities that you meet. I mean, there there were days where uh, I'd be walking down the hall, James Carver would come in and talk college football, Uh, 50 Cent, you know, would come in and want to talk Major League Baseball and anything St. Louis sports-related. So it was just a great time and an open platform to uh, make contacts, uh, do interesting content. uh, content. But most of all, like we're saying right now, especially in the era of TikTok, it was push the needle programming. You know, you, you, you didn't worry about offending somebody or losing advertisers. You just pushed the envelope. Audience gravitated towards it. Subscriptions went up and, um, I guess that's where we are today now to where people recognize on demand, I think this generation, and you guys kind of embody it, you guys realize that, hey, why am I going to make myself available going through the politics now of satellite radio? I can launch myself. I can build my audience. I can enhance my brand. And then we start recognizing our worth. So it's almost like Uh, Satellite Radio has been to the radio broadcasting content creators what name, image, and likeness is to student-athletes. Put it out there, make your money, you're unencumbered, and uh, see how many hits, unique impressions, likes, and even with GoFundMe, how much organic revenue that you can make to uh, sustain yourself and you, too, can be a successful brand. The flip side to it, a lot of people don't have credibility and they've cluttered the space. But to be honest with you, I can't knock the hustle because uh, conventional broadcast media management uh, has made billions on that type of philosophy. So why shouldn't the talent get theirs?
2: Yeah, and you, you make a good point in that, you know, everyone's got a voice now and you've got options. Which form of sports media do you think benefits the, the, the sports themselves? Okay, so do you think it's better for the MLB to have someone like you talking about the MLB? Or do you think it's better that people tune in to ESPN or something like that? What, what do you think benefits the actual sport?
0: Um, having the options and multiple platforms to give people an uh, opportunity to listen to different voices Um, it, it, it's kind of like and I don't want to call it ESPN out this book kind of you, you look at first take it kind of sets the tone for the day you know when Stephen A. gets to scream in Mike Greenberg gets to whining um, that experts have their own agendas those are the kind of things that make it easier for a uh, person and audience to make a choice of who they're going to consume their information from, which is the same thing that's happened with the news media. So to me, it's about the freedom of choice. Um, I like the diversity. And, and what that means is it forces everybody in the game to be better than they were the show before mm-hmm. to be more creative than they were on the show before and to produce content that's more dynamic than it was previously.
2: Now, you are affiliated with MLB, with MLB Bro. What kind of access do you guys have?
0: Uh, we got car blanche in the last three years. I mean, uh, if you're talking about, you know, credentials and the like, uh, we're pretty much staffed at every ballpark in the majors um won't necessarily have local beats but we have reporters who contribute from various markets around the country um and now we've even got a social media division so in three years we've gone from you know historical significance covering big breaking stories that involve black american players to getting into the world of what's going on behind the scenes in their lives uh analyzing it in quick doses like those stories that you see on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, the reels, all that kind of stuff. All of it has a place right there. In terms of accessibility, um, what we do have is with our working relationship, We, what's big for us in terms of content creation is having the opportunity to tap into their wealth of not only former players, but content itself, if we need some B-roll, we're not at a game. And there's a story like that involves, yesterday was a perfect example with uh, Cleveland and Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore, the Orioles uh, signed Aaron Hicks, the former Yankee, to uh, at least be around until Cedric Mullins is off the uh, disabled list with a groin injury. You're at the game. You can't necessarily shoot. Uh, because of restrictions, but what we can do is, when it hits MLB bro in that library, we can go up in there, we can get B-roll, I can do my report, I can get my sound with my interviews, and we'll still have B-roll over the top. That's a big, big thing for us, because, you know, leagues are reluctant to allow uh, indies, if you will, an opportunity to use their content one of the deals that espn and nobody really talks about is one of the reasons that they pay an enormous rights fee for so few nfl games in terms of number is the fact that they have a lot more liberal um relationship in terms of using the amount of b-roll footage there are restrictions on the number of hours and how long you have to, how long you can keep certain pieces of video up that are produced by NFL films. ESPN doesn't have to worry about stuff like that. That's a part of their rights fee. CBS gets more games. Fox gets more games, but they can't use the B roll. But ESPN may not have as many games. They can get the B roll for, their NFL shows, whether it's Countdown, the daily NFL show that they do during the offseason, um, the show that Sal Palantonio and, and uh, Greg Cosell do. So that's invaluable, certainly when you're a startup and you have a working relationship with the league itself, because it doesn't cost you any money to really do your job. And I know, I think that that's one of the things that really helped us out. And then, you know, once you get that opportunity, you have to create compelling content. And, um, you know, I got to say through Rob Parker on Fox Sports' leadership, uh, on, 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 from FoxSports.com, this is his baby. Um, um We all talked about it at the All-Star game in D.C., and I believe that was 2018, how we could put together a piece of, uh, you know, an internet platform that would allow diehard Black American baseball fans to be in tune with what's going on with people that they like. And, um, you know, next thing I know, I'm getting a phone call one day. Hey, check this out. Do you think we'll fly? And I was like, Well let's run it up the flagpole and see how it works. And here we are three years into it, literally, in partnership with Major League Baseball, which is something that does just doesn't happen. So, you know, vision plus uh, you know, elbow grease and a couple of breaks and then putting out good content, you know, um anybody can reach the masses but to do the kind of dynamic stuff that you're doing you got to be respected and um sometimes that takes a while and coming we were fortunate to to just put a great team you know when he brought jr gamble on to be managing editor that changed the whole landscape because he was a veteran who worked on so many like uh hip-hop oriented magazines so we had a pulse for the street and then we started finding out guys like chuck d were baseball fans you know it was it, it was crazy and then the next thing you know here we are today
2: no oh, that's awesome man that's awesome sign up to so rare the ultimate fantasy sports nft platform scout collect and trade officially licensed digital player cards Create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players real life performances to
3: compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions so Rare is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next it's almost like a, a dynasty spin on fantasy it's available in formats such as NBA MLB and also football the world game so what are you waiting for get involved get in the game get some cards, and have some fun. All you have to do is sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare, or unique cards, you can do that too. But at a base level, this is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports. Because Sports Podcasts, we know our thing. But so rare is a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room. So hit the link in the show notes, and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game.
1: I love hearing stories like that from the beginning to where you are now, to what it is, to your serious XM career. Man, you've done it all, and kudos to you for what you've done and what you're going to achieve and everything along the way. Now, switching gears a little bit over to modern-day baseball in the sense of ranking and stuff like that, the Oakland Athletics are absolutely poop in the bed this year from your analytical perspective what do you feel like they need to do to kind of change the game
0: well first off they're making too much money to fail (laughs) (laughs) I'm, i'm so happy you said that and, and, and so one of the things I, I think that, you know, if we were li- living in a right and just world, you'd have to penalize the team for their futility. I mean, you look at that decrepit ballpark and I'm 57 years old. I remember 1972, 73, 74. I remember Reggie Jackson vividly. He was one of my heroes growing up. That was a guy when I played Little League baseball. I wanted to be like Reggie, you know, and when you look at, the stadium that they're playing in that was the same stadium that they won three world series in during the 1970s when nixon was president when gas was around 50 cents a gallon type stuff you know we, we were watching black and white tvs and didn't have you know remote control so we had to get up and change the channel i mean Imagine that just for perspective on how old that stadium is. So, if you can't figure out a way to do a public private partnership, Oakland has to go. But how can somebody turn over like a $500 million profit, as I understand last year, and have just a, a, an embarrassingly disgraceful product? Nobody goes to the games. Uh, there are people in Oakland that will say, we agreed on the place that had a, uh, That, that we could put the stadium. It never got built. Um, they couldn't find a way to do it. Heck, Reggie himself wanted to put a group together. And I think he had a group together that was going to, that would have been able to purchase it and keep the team there. Uh, baseball should be embarrassed, quite frankly, at what's happened in Oakland. That's a good baseball market with a lot of great baseball fans. But I said this on Debatable a couple of weeks ago. I think they're much happier with having a team in San Francisco, because for whatever reason, it's a better market than Oakland is, at least as it is deemed from what I see through Major League Baseball's eyes. And it's kind of like the same thing that happened with the Golden State Warriors. They moved them out of the Coliseum and back into San Francisco. So the only way, and, and that, Franchise isn't going anywhere. It's going to leave Oakland, but they'll relocate in in Las Vegas. They'll get themselves a 30,000-seat stadium. Um, It'll be probably enclosed. The A's traditionally have done a good job with their minor league system. So if you can lay the groundwork over the next couple, three years to where you get into a stadium and you're developing talent at the same time, then I think uh, I think it could work really good for Oakland, but right now it's just it's it's a criminal disgrace, and baseball has to be embarrassed by what happened. And uh, I don't, you know, and I hate to say this because they're good baseball fans in Oakland. This is not an indictment on the fans, but it's gotten so bad that there that to answer your question. If the team is going to turn a profit, it needs to be a a representative sample of a quality entertainment product. And by no means are the A's that way right now. They are embarrassing disgrace from what's going on into the stands to the way that they uh, play on the field. Everybody's distracted but they do look good in those uniforms. That is a sweet, you know, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if they will go back to the white shoes or give me the gold shoes, I'm all into that. I'm into stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? I really do. I, and I think that's one of the things that kind of hurts baseball is the fact that you look at basketball, people can wear Kevin Durant, Durant shoes. People can wear, you know, they bring back so, the Jordans and what have you uh, and, and all that. Baseball's got cool shoes now, and they're taking a page out of basketball. They just haven't figured out how to uh, bring it all together and really make it profitable. I like the City city Connect jerseys and all that. They're doing things like that, and that plays to urban America. So I think the sustainability is going to be there. And I like the, the, the quick movement of the game now. Even though there's nothing better, the best thing that's ever happened to baseball has been quick pitch. And I'm not talking just because the girls Uh who host quick pitch are wearing cocktail dresses and looking like they're going out for drinks and, you know, um, game-winning moments following the show. Uh, Still, but just to be able to get all of your highlights in a condensed one-hour format for every game is really the most innovative thing. I mean, it's it's the greatest thing ever, uh, especially with the speeding of the game up right now. You know, I was at a long game yesterday, but that was because it was a 12-8 game. But for the most part, these two-hour and 30-minute games are absolutely wonderful. I can't tell you what it's like on the East Coast when the game starts at 7.30 between the Red Sox. And the Yankees, and with all the stepping out of the batter's boxes and arguments by Aaron Bleep and Boone and fights, <laughs> you wouldn't get home till midnight, and then you got to turn around and do it again tomorrow. So I am all in with that. I think that's a great innovation, and, and I think that, you know, gambling helps out a lot. I think that, you know, you, you got so many different ways that you can bring eyeballs to the game. It's wonderful right now. It's just unfortunate you got an albatross like the a's that's making the whole league look bad
1: exactly i mean i'm glad you kind of brought that up too i didn't really want to say that personally because i'm not the biggest mob guy but i do understand i was like aren't the oakland a's supposed to be like a powerhouse and didn't they make a lot of money like i was kind of confused but maybe you knew something i didn't know uh but you brought up a good point about the time change in terms of the duration of a game with the new rules that have been implemented this year, what rule is your favorite and what rule do you feel like has done the most impact?
0: All right. Well, let's say my favorite is um probably getting rid of the shift. I hated that. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was an uh, uh, unfair competitive advantage for the pitchers. And, uh, you know, it seems to be working because you take that away and now, Again, being an old school guy. I remember where you could play hit and run station to station baseball. I remember where you could, uh, suicide and safety squeeze. You've brought all those elements back into the game. But the best rule is the pitch clock. I mean, um, that's a godsend. And it forces everybody to be focused on their games. You know, you don't have to worry about a guy stepping on the rubber and then going to tap the rosin bag and then getting back up and then asking for time. Then you have the batter stepping out he's got to fix his glove and all that stuff. All that minutia is gone. The pitch clock is tremendous. And I also like the fact that you immediately put the pressure on in overtime, i.e. extra innings, with the runner on second base. Hey, nothing worse than a sixteen, seventeen inning game that you can <laughs> avoid. I mean, because the the practical the practicality of it is, who's going to stick around for four and a half hours to watch a full baseball game? We all check out somewhere around the thirteenth. Sorry, that's just how it is. Unless it's a playoff game and your teams are in it. I, I like the fact that if you go in the extra time, you got a chance to end it rather quickly and move on to the next game. I think that's 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 a brilliant move all the way around. Um and I like the bigger bases. I like the fact that you can um, steal more bases now and expedite the flow to a conclusion of the game. So I, I like some of the moves that they have done. Um not the biggest analytical fan. I'm an old school guy who believes that you should um not only crunch the numbers, but have a personal feel for your team. And sometimes you can be so self-reliant on the numbers that you don't understand what's going on in the moment. And if I could give you an example, I covered the uh, 92 World Series. And I thought that Dion Sanders, had they, had Bobby Cox kept him into the uh, line up because he was just in one of those places where he was going to do something great that only a player like Deion Sanders could do. And when he was in that moment and he was locked in, there was a situation where he came up for at bat around the ninth inning. And Bobby Cox, God bless him, Hall of Fame manager, great dude, loving to death. But I thought that move cost him an opportunity to win that World Series because Deion was in the middle of a special game, but he played the percentages and bought a guy named Ron Gant in to face a left-handed pitcher and he flew out. And right after that, I think they went to the 11th inning and that was when Toronto rallied and then Dave Winfield hit the shot um, down the left field line. And it ultimately won the world series for Toronto and my question to Bobby after the game was, why did you take Deion Sanders out? He was in, he looked like he was about ready to do one of those primetime things. And all Bobby could say was, I wanted Ronnie in the game because I like the matchup. I thought that, you know, the numbers said, yeah. him facing this um, left handed pitcher gave me a better chance because Deion's numbers, his, his, uh stat line was horrible against left-handed pitchers but he's Deion Sanders in the moment and he's playing like prime time you got to have a feel for it so I'm not the biggest uh analytics guys but if it's bringing people to the game hey let, let me just go ahead and back off and let y'all crunch the numbers and I'm gonna sit back here and watch because anything that brings more bodies to the ballpark, you know, has more people engaged on various platforms is good for the game. And that's how you sustain the next generation and bring energy like you guys bring to the game because, you know, it gives you a passion and you just want to strike that passion one way or another, whether it's hot takes, whether it's fresh takes or whether it's um, somebody who's following the betting line somebody who's got a fantasy team. I just love all that. I think that's a great thing. I don't participate, um, certainly in the fantasy for baseball because that's too hard sitting in your lineup every day. But I get it. I get how you can become consumed. And anything that brings the millions of people back to the game in some way, shape, or form is all right by me.
1: Damn right. Wow, that was uh, that was a lot. That was a lot to kind of <laughs> take in. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Mark, before we get you going, there's a kind of silly questions we'd like to end on real quick. No. <laughs> yeah, we got some silly questions for you. Silly Great. Questions.
0: I'm pretty good at being silly.
1: <laughs> All right. Number one, have you ever had a poutine before?
0: A poutine? Yeah. Uh, If that's a morning constitutional every day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So just gotta kind of break it down. Okay, so poutine real quick. It's a Canadian dish.
2: Keep in mind we're in the we're in Toronto, right? We're from the Toronto market. Oh,
0: okay,
1: okay. <laughs>
2: yeah, say,
0: a, when you say poutine, I'm thinking about that guy who's a piece of crap that's the president of Russia, but that's a topic <laughs> for another show.
1: That's that's a different show. <laughs> yes it is. That's pro-sports oh. political podcasters. Yes, that's show. Um, so Brophy, Bob,
0: poutine. <laughs> Make sure you always have your spray behind you. Yes.
1: Facts, indeed. So poutine sir is fries with cheese curds and gravy on top. That's the standard tradition. Uh, Kobe likes to add bacon to it. I like to add pulled pork to mine. Okay. that's uh, If you've never had it before, if you ever come to Toronto, Kobe will buy you one.
0: That sounds good to me. Bye, me And if you come in DMV, I'll get you a crab cake. So we, yeah.
1: Squared up. Now, what about your desserts? Because over in Toronto, we have a thing called Beaver Tails.
0: Beaver Tails is a dessert. Yep. Yes, it it's, is. Yep, yeah, it is. is. Is there any, uh, some, there's something about the beaver and sweet that uh, paints a couple of different but totally dissimilar um <laughs> <laughs> Inferences. <laughs> so you don't And if, and if done properly, it. I think you can influence or saute a beaver to be sweet. <laughs> and since we don't have FCC rules and we're running out of time, <laughs> I'm going to back off that. But so, we, we can promise to meet offline and discuss that. <laughs> so Beaver Tail, my good friend,
1: is basically. <laughs> and a large piece of dough that's deep fried and one of my favorites is the uh peanut butter nutella combination but you could have like a, a cheesecake flavor one you can have like ice cream flavored one you can have any flavor you want for the most part
0: so so i could do like a powdered sugar and um yes and um maybe like the the apple compote on it oh 100% there's 100% percent. There's apple of wow.
1: versions too. <laughs> when
0: I was yeah. in Atlanta,
1: Georgia doing a comedy show, there was a guy who had a beaver tail truck outside of the club, outside of, uh, what was it? Um, Punchline Comedy Club? Yeah, like Buckhead. Yeah, I was doing a show there. I
0: saw, I saw Steve Harvey there when he wasn't Steve Harvey. There you go. Back there in the day, yes.
1: Hopefully you saw me there too, back before I'm famous. <laughs> but I was there and this one guy had a beaver tail truck and I was like, oh my God, I'm Canadian. I want to go visit it. And the guy told me, he's like, dude, I bought this from a guy from Toronto. Uh, <laughs> I love it so much, blah, blah, But he had different flavors I'd never seen. He had biscuits and gravy flavored beaver tail. I was like, this is definitely some sell shit right here.
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, gravy for a lot of people all over the South goes on anything. It's, it's just super a a, kind of good. Yeah, it is. We, <laughs> it is. Gravy done right in its own. Kinda like Grits. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and then you get the person that, that down there wants to put the uh grits with the gravy and that's a totally different concept that is um I'm glad I no longer um, bought into. I kinda sold the palate to get a away from that. But uh wow. I, I don't know if I would want my beaver tail and gravy. <laughs>
2: it sounds like poutine uh, it, would fly down there, though.
0: It, it did. It does. It, it sounds like running mean. poutine, if you know what I'm saying. And oh that's my never God. good. <laughs> <laughs> and, Mark, where can
1: our friends find you on social media?
0: At The Sports Groove, uh, common spelling, T-H-E-S-P-O-R-T-S-G-R-O-O-V-E. And... um. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. So uh, check it out. Um, try to get as much posted as possible, generating enough content. And um, one thing about it, it's a great crossover platform. I use that to, uh, you know, push along the, the envelope for anybody who's listening. I think that um, your social media platform is your place to promote yourself. And, and ironically enough, I, I teach at the University of Maryland, and I'm teaching a course called Self-Presentation in the Era of YouTube. And we are really morphing the syllabus towards more more of a social media thing for not just only people who want to get into the business, but to people who are all forms of life. You do spoken word, comedy, um, you know, you want to learn how to become a great uh or rated and I'm, I'm teaching you how to do that too so this social media platform is tremendous i don't understand it but i know it's changing every and, and let me leave you with this you got to be able to pivot every 18 months okay mm-hmm. you have to um even if you don't want to but that's just how the game is moving right now it seems like every 18 months there's something new some form of Uh, content creation, content oriented product that's gonna, that's changing the, uh, the paradigm shifting or what have you. And, um, the key to success is the ability to adjust. And you're gonna have to be able to make adjustments and pivot until your career is over. Um, my boy Ralph Wiley, God rest his soul, was a great writer. You should do a Google about him. He was like that, that, uh, First black American analyst with Bobby Bethard to do um, to go from sports writer to TV studio football analyst, and uh, on his obituary, it was like the key to the ability. Uh, what was it? The key ability in your life is to adjust, and you must do so until you die. That's kind of like what's going on in the business all the time. Every time there's a new platform, every time there's a new technology that's going to give you a new way of creating content and they're going to have a new way for you to position it on social media, you got to be ready to seize the day at that moment or it will uh, leave you by... uh, The game will leave you by. If you're out of the game for 90 days or six months, you're in big trouble. So you got to follow the trends. And when heavyweights are... uh, telling you something that's going to happen or you can see what they're doing you know hitch along for the ride put your little uh, spin on it and then take it to the next level
1: wow thank you so so much mark for joining us today it was a pleasure having you and your insight and your words will uh we'll definitely have to play it back a couple times to grab everything you said but thank you so so much thanks for tuning into the podcast
2: for even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com.
3: On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You
2: can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports
3: Podcasters experience. Where For no sport is left behind.